At 11, here are the top stories in the news from the WOR newsroom. A legal dispute is shaping up over who will bury the assassinated American Nazi party leader, George Lincoln Rockwell. Earlier today, the extremist group announced that Rockwell will be buried in a Virginia military cemetery. But tonight, Rockwell's brother Robert told the United Press that the Nazi party's plans of holding a funeral for their leader on Tuesday were very problematical. The family, the brother said, wants to bury, that is, the burial to take place at Booth Harbor, Maine. The brother said a legal battle is in the works, as the party claims Rockwell left a will requesting that his body be turned over to the Nazis for burial in Virginia. A semi-automatic gun has been turned over to the FBI as the weapon that possibly killed the American Nazi party leader, George Rockwell. The gun was found in a creek near the Arlington, Virginia shopping center where Rockwell was murdered yesterday. Here now is a look at the uh, top stories. First of all, Israeli gunners show that an Egyptian warplane today uh, was flew low over Israeli territory. And later, the two countries repeatedly exchanged fire across the Suez. An Israeli army spokesman said the shooting lasted for about an hour after Egyptian fi- forces opened fire on the enclosed Israeli units. Another 800 Arab refugees crossed the Jordan River under the Israeli-occupied West Bank today with only five days to go before the August 31st deadline for the return of Mideast war refugees. Only 10,000 persons have gone back to the West Bank. Israeli forces say they will not extend the deadline. U.S. warplanes ranged north of Hanoi again today to pound a main rail artery linking the North Vietnamese capital with Red China. Air Force Thunder jets bombed rail facilities northeast of Hanoi. Other Air Force planes attacked a rail bridge north of Hanoi and blasted a concentration of anti-aircraft guns in North Vietnam's southern panhandle. Ground action in South Vietnam is mainly light, but the Viet Cong fired 10 to 20 mortar rounds on a city in the Mekong Delta, wounding 50 Vietnamese civilians and four Americans. Vice President Humphrey has told fellow Democrats meeting in Los Angeles to stand behind President Johnson in next year's election. Speaking by telephone for Minneapolis, Humphrey said we're going to have a joint victory or we're going to have separate funerals. Party members attending the Western States Democratic Conference also heard National Democratic Chairman John Bailey say the Republicans may nominate California Governor Ronald Reagan for president next year. In sports today, the rain washed out the Mets. Their two games with the Chicago Cubs, a twin bill that will not be rescheduled unless they suddenly become crucial to the final National League standings. While the Yankees wound up on the short end of a 4-3 to three score with Washington. Another American League action, Boston 6, Chicago 2, putting the Red Sox a full game in front of the rest of the American League. California 5-4 over Baltimore in the first of two. The second game was rained out after four innings. Detroit 5, Kansas City 2, the Tigers keeping pace with the Red Sox. And Minnesota lost a full game, losing to Cleveland 5-2. to two. Another National League game, San Francisco 3-1 over Atlanta in their first game. The second game, a marathon 14-inning affair, with the Giants taking that one as well by a score of 3-2. Cincinnati 6, Houston 1 this afternoon. Tonight, Houston 7, Cincinnati 4. And Philadelphia 1, Pittsburgh nothing. St. Louis and Los Angeles just getting underway. 
In pro football exhibition games, the National League Washington Redskins defeated the American League Boston Patriots 13-7 at Boston, while the New York Jets edged out the Houston Oilers 13-7 in preseason play at Charlotte, North Carolina. No golf today as rain washed out the second round of the Westchester Golf Classic at Harrison, New York. The wet weather also forced cancellation of play in the National Doubles Tennis Championships at Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. In racing, what a pleasure won the hopeful stakes at Saratoga with Royal Trace second and exclusive native third. At Roosevelt Raceway tonight, the feature was won by number five, Perfect Freight, and the daily double number one, Confetti Hanover, and number seven, Hop Along. Now a look at our weather for New York City and vicinity. Mostly cloudy and humid tonight, a chance of showers toward dawn, the low temperatures in the mid-60s. Mostly cloudy and humid with a thunderstorm or two likely Sunday and Sunday night. High temperatures in the mid-70s on Sunday with a low in the upper 60s. Variable cloudiness cooler, less humid on Monday with a chance of late afternoon showers. Mostly southerly, 10 to 15 miles per hour winds for Sunday and Sunday night. Right now, under cloudy skies, our temperature is 68 degrees. That's the latest news and weather from the WOR Newsroom. Cable Spence reporting. Weekday mornings at 11.15 on WOR, it's Alfred and Dora McCann. This is WOR 710, Radio New York. For free cultural information and brochures and activities in the city, visit the New York City Cultural Information Center at 148 West 57th Street near 7th Avenue. Open Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. or telephone Judson 25555. That's Judson 25555. Now we rejoin Gene Shepard at the limelight. concludes tonight's salute to Mayor Lindsay and <laughs> out there in the darkness right now they're towing your car away <laughs> or the mayor gets a last laugh <laughs> this is fun city friends there's a lot of ways to spell it <laughs> I wonder what he meant. <laughs> oh, well, out of the mouths of babes. But you know, uh, I'll tell you, though, that moment we left, we left me in Kashmir, Helen Weathers, and Esther Jane Alberry approaching the peak of the bobs. Well, I'm hanging out of the bar, see, and I look down... And as far as I can see, it's the first time I've ever been airborne. I mean, I can see houses down there. And down there are regular walking around little people. <laughs> and you get this, this terrible sense of, of, of total insecurity. You know that feeling the first time you've ever flown in an airplane? And all of a sudden the ground just goes boom. And you haven't moved. So what the hell are they doing with the ground? And then you get this feeling like it's all toys, you know. You know, it's, it's silly how ridiculous 
how you used to worry about those little people walking around in those houses and those cars. And here we're going, tick, 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 tick. At back of me, I can hear cashmere. I hear... <laughs> and Helen Weathers, who weighed 314 pounds... Helen Weathers is sitting there. She was one of these girls, you know, that cut their hair like this. You know, that kind. But she had this, it looked like a big pot on her head, see? And Helen Weathers is hanging out to that bar back there, see? And sitting next to me is Esther Jane. And I am getting sick. I'm telling you, we're almost at the peak of this thing. See, I had never been in my life on a roller coaster, ever. And I was not only on a roller coaster, friends, I was on the bobs. I mean, this is like going into orbit. I mean, generation after generation of people in Chicago have been traumatized for life on that one two-minute ride on the bobs. And now we're at the peak. I look down. Instantly, you could see that long ribbon going down, 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 down. And it disappeared into a black tunnel four miles below. We tilt for a second. You know that moment we hang up that thing? It stops. I can hear <laughs> And Esther Jane is going, whoopee. <laughs> I'm hanging out and saying, ah, isn't this fun, honey? <laughs> being pulled forward. And Esther Jane is hollering, <laughs> And I can hear, I can hear Helen Weathers go, Hooray! <laughs> and I hear Cashmere, <laughs> And as I went down that thing and it started up again, everything, every, I had seven taffy apples, remember? <laughs> For breakfast that morning, I had had nine banana Twinkies. I had a bowl of Ralston. I had a quart and a half of Ovaltine. And now I've had three cheeseburgers, four hamburgers, and a hot dog. And as we started up, it went, Whoa! All of that stuff kept going. I mean, have you ever had stuff pulled out of you by centrifugal force? I wasn't sick or anything. It was just going out of my ears. <laughs> and then we started up, you know, and there it was, hanging in midair. And the whole car went right through it, you know. And I could hear them all the way back, nine cars back. Who's the slob of the truck? And now we are going, wow, 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 tick, 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 tick. So help me, I want to tell you, I had not had watermelon for two years. (laughs) 
a piece of watermelon for us. A turkey from Thanksgiving. <laughs> We're going up and up and up again. And here she's sitting next to me, this chick. She's turned into a monster. She said, Oh, 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 oh. Up we go again. Oh, no, no. And sweat, I'll tell you. Oh, I'll tell you, I started out, you know, I was a healthy kid. And I was, you know, I was a 97 pound weekly. Now I'm a 12-pound weekly. The sweat, my socks were wet. I'm hanging on this thing. And it was an iron bar. Now I want to tell you, you've heard stories of superhuman strength. It was an iron bar. I squeezed it so tight, it was sticking out of my hands like sausages, you know? And I'm hanging on this thing. And on the side, it had a big Donald Duck painted. You know, I could see Donald go black. Up we're going, tick, 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 tick. And they had that one final last turn. It was one that went up over 17,000 feet. You dropped straight down, straight down 900 feet. You did a slow barrel roll. Then they went into a fast dive again and a late pick out. And then they would stop at the bottom of the mouth of this giant cave. And I see the cave down there. It's a great big cave. You know, there's amusement park caves and a big mouth. <laughs> big teeth, see? We're going right at it. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> and I looked at and cashmere's gone. <laughs> he has split. He has. Somewhere back in that monstrous labyrinth, he says, so long, baby, I'm going. <laughs> I don't know where Cashmere is, and I just see Helen Weathers sitting there, big fat Helen. You know. She's loving it. Oh, wow, isn't this fun, Jeannie? Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Tick, 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 tick. Down we went. 4,000 miles down. The stuff is coming out. All of a sudden, that hamburger caught in one ear. Oh, what a moment. And we're coming closer to that mouth. Jane, that sweet little girl, that little girl that I had been protecting in those fistfights out there on the playgrounds that she'd get in with, with May all the time. I'd go in and I'd fight May for her. Here she is sitting there next to me. And I hold on this thing. And you know how those guys come along and say, all right, all right, all right, all right, Blink. all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. And I see Cashmere now. He is flat on the floor. <laughs> He is holding out of the floor. And Helen Weathers has got a hold of his foot. Come on, let's go, Cash. He says, I'm looking for a nickel I lost. He's faking it, you know. And now we get up on the platform, see? And next to me is Esther Jane, who is about to deliver the coup de grace. This guy's walking along. He's got his little puncher, you know, and he's selling tickets. He said, all right, all right, let's go. Move on here. And the rest of the people are coming. I said, you want to go on again? And she says, yes, let's go again. She wanted to go again. I said, gee, 
I was going to fake it. See, I got no money. I reach into my pocket, and as I pull up my pocket, like no money, out came 17 pennies. And five minutes later, we're on the bobs again. Well, do you know that we took four complete rides that afternoon? Cashmere, from that day on, Cashmere had trouble speaking. I forgot how to spell. And somewhere out in the darkness, Esther James and Helen Weathers are still taking husbands for rides. And you know, when you learn these terrible realities about yourself, sometimes you can face them. Other times you don't. Now, like, like the last time I was at Palisades, they've got this big ride there, see? I walked past it. I'm with a bunch of people. They said, let's go on the roller coaster. I said, uh, they don't do nothing to me. <laughs> if there's one thing they do, it's something. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I've had some terrible times on these rides. You know, one time, and by the way, just about an hour ago, before I came in here, I see a couple of G.I.s walking along in front of the limelight, see? These two guys. And they've got that look in the eye of, we're in town. What are we going to do now, Herbert? You know, it's, you know, they got each one little stripe. They got the hat, you know, walking around. They got the short haircut. Goes all the way up. And there's, by the way, there's a great name in the Army for that haircut, which I can't put on because radio hasn't grown up yet. And so here they're walking around. See, and I look at these two guys, and I thought, I thought at the time, I thought maybe, maybe I better not tell you this story. Because after all, you are here in the limelight. And you do have, uh, you know, you're eating hamburgers and stuff. Do you want to hear the, the worst, the worst night out that I ever had in the Army? The absolute... You know, some nights, I'll tell you, it's terrible. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm, I'm, I'm lying in the sack now, you know. I'm lying there. And have you ever had this experience? It's 2 o'clock in the morning, 3, 4 o'clock. And all of a sudden, for no reason at all, you wake up. And it's quiet. You can hear traffic somewhere off in the distance. Somewhere you can hear a subway. And then, without any warning, you see a scene or you remember something that once happened to you. That's so far back in your subconscious that you never actually pull it out like a Kodachrome slide. But about every year and a half, especially during the summertime, I'll wake up at 3 in the morning, and I will see me and Gasser, brand new T5s. You know, that's a corporal. For those of you who don't know what a T5 is, it's a corporal with two stripes with a T under it. Now, that doesn't actually mean temporary. What it really means is that they've given him the corporal stripes, but they don't trust him. <laughs> that, that he's really just an honorary corporal. And he can't tell nobody to do nothing. But they've given him the two stripes, which is the worst kind of ugly cut. And so Gasser and I have got our new stripes on, see? And we are stationed not far from where we're broadcasting tonight. We are stationed at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. 
I can tell you've never been there. Oh, poor fools. Uh, I've always had a feeling if you said, hell. Oh, nine guys that applaud. It's their hometown. You know, and, and we are stationed in Fort Monmouth, and one, one, one afternoon in August, we had been out on one of these, these long, involved field trips all week. Now, a field trip is, is, is more boring than even boringness itself. It's very difficult to tell a person who's never been in the Army that one of the things you feel most of all, you don't feel resentment. You know, you don't feel bugged that you're in the Army. That's, that's only civilians feel that. And you may feel that about the first five minutes you're in. But after you get to really be in the Army a couple of years, you know, you begin to work in boredom. It's, it's, a, it's a tangible property. It's like silly putty. Yeah, and you sit. You sit in a tent, for example. Here it is, you know. It's 5 o'clock in the afternoon. In just 15 minutes, we're going to have chow. SOS. We're going to have SOS and grape jello. What a great combination. We're also going to have a cup of raisin Kool-Aid. Yeah, that was called a purple death in the Army. That's what they gave us to drink. They had three ice cubes for the entire company. And it was lukewarm all the time. So here we'd be sitting. It's 5 o'clock, see, in our class A's. We're going to have retreat. We just sit. You know, you learn after a while that you can turn your mind off, just like an electric light. And, and there's nothing between your ears but a big ball of cottage cheese. And gas is sitting over there like this. And two of us are sitting waiting. And in between us is this great big mass of boredom. It's like silly putty. Once in a while, one of us would take a piece of it and start working with it. What's this. See a rabbit. Working with the boredom. And you do little things like you start picking at your stripe. Anything to keep your mind going, you know? Or you take your shoe and you start poking it. Oh, look at that. I never noticed it's got a lace there. <laughs> this one's got a lace, too. Huh? That's the army. Then you get up and you start polishing your belt. Then you start pulling your ears. Well, one afternoon, we have been all out on the field trip. All week. And we've been grubbing around in the, out in the boondocks. Down, you know the Jersey marshes? I know every last lizard personally. So we come back. See, after all, it's digging in the boondocks. And now, this afternoon, we have got a pass. Me and Gasser. In about ten minutes, we're going to go out. And we're all excited. We have been confined to the company area now for over three months, our company, because we were supposed to be in training for a special assignment. What a special assignment. Someday I'll tell you about how it actually panned out. This was the 362nd, the 3162nd Signal Airborne Mess Kit Repair Battalion. <laughs> I'm not kidding, yeah. Me and Gasser, we're in the handle platoon. 
And this this afternoon, this afternoon, the two of us are waiting. We're sweating it out to get our pass. Now, you never knew. At any moment, they may pull your pass without any warning. It was always touch and go. Is there going to be a weekend? Is there not going to be a weekend? What's going to happen? We're sitting there in our tent. It's hotter than, oh boy, is it hot. We're waiting. We're anxious. Once in a while, you hear a guy walk past on the duck boards. Clunk, 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 clunk. That's a guy who ain't going nowhere. Because all the guys that were going out that afternoon were in the tents waiting anxiously for the inspection. We had an inspection every Saturday afternoon before you could get out. And the way it worked was this. Sergeant Kowalski would come walking out of the orderly room, and behind him would be Lieutenant Cherry. Lieutenant Cherry is a first lieutenant, which was his life sorrow. All of his life, he wanted to be a captain. I mean, and here he was not only just the first lieutenant, but he was assigned to Company K. And so the two of us waiting, waiting to be inspected. And we hear Lieutenant Cherry approaching. And right behind him is Sergeant Kowalski with his clipboard. And you know how they do this? I mean, I've often wondered how it would work in civilian life. Let's say at BBDO. If every morning the first sergeant walks by with a clipboard. Let me see them fingernails. I mean, we're grown-up men. You've got to show them your fingernails. And so we hear them walk past. And now they're at the, they're at the face of our little tent. Gasser jumps up and says, Attention! We both stand. In walks the sergeant. There's his old friend Shepard. Here's Gasser. Well, you know, I don't know what it is. There are some people, because of the look in their eye, that other people automatically want to kill. <laughs> they don't have to do anything. It's just something in their eye. Well, for years... This is the way my relationship was with Kowalski. Every morning, we'd have, they'd call roll. And our little company, we've been together three years now, see. Three years we're together. And the, ca the captain would be up there, Lieutenant Cherry would be with him. And Kowalski would start calling out the roll. He'd say, Adams, Adamowski, Baker, Buffon. And all the way up and down the line, you hear these guys going, Oh, you are It was like a symphony. Nobody ever heard the names that he called. And he didn't hear who was answering. He just knew the, the beat and the rhythm. And if you tried to fake it, if you tried to holler yo for somebody else, he knew it. And he'd go, yo, he, ah, ho, I just have a me, hey, ho. And he would stop. And he would say distinctly, Shepherd. I'd say, yo. He'd say, yo. Well, I was an innocent man. I was just standing way in the back. I never did nothing. I was only a PFC. What could I do? But he'd always say, Shepherd, you son of a year. Hep, hop, hope, Zinsmeister, hope, hep. That was the way it went every morning. And now he's standing there in the tent. Three months, 90 days, we haven't gotten out of this little chunk of canvas. And boy, are we excited. Oh, we've been saving our money. 
We're loaded with dough. Three months' pay now, we both got over $12 saved up. <laughs> you know, we're, we're ready, see? We got our new suntans on, we're standing there. And Kowalski said, and, and he was this kind of first sergeant. You all know this kind. It's the guy who always wears the Air Corps sunglasses. The big black sunglasses. You can't see anything behind them. He wore them when he was asleep. In fact, he wore them in the shower. He's always got these sunglasses. Old Kowalski's a short, angry guy, built like a fire plug, you know, with feet. Yeah, he's one of these, he's from Pittsburgh, you know. He's a little Polak, you know. And he'd come in, he had this hat pulled down, he says, Shepard. He's waiting, see, he's got that gig pencil out. And Lieutenant Cherry walks in, see, and he's got these pink pants. Oh, yeah, there's something about officers that we, ooh, you know. And we're wearing these suntans, you know, and they're made out of old gunny sacks and stuff. And he comes in, he's got these beautiful pink pants, and he's got this green tunic. And he's got little badges and the big eagle all over him, you know. Little cross flags and buttons and little whoopies. And he had little ribbons that would light up with a battery in his pocket, you know. Oh, yeah, he had these little, honestly, he had these little bars, you know, and they were transistorized, and they played Semper Fidelis, you know. Oh, you know, he was really chicken, you know. Yeah, and all the time when he would walk, you could hear eggshells. You know, to, 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 the real, to the real GI, you could hear the sound of chickens cackling. And he walks into the tent seat, stands there, he says, At ease. This is the way you stand at ease. You can sure tell this soldier's at ease, can't you? <laughs> Standing like that. Right opposite me is Gasser. He's on the other side looking right at me, see? And in between us is Lieutenant Cherry and Kowalski with the clipboard. His greatest moments were when each tent in succession was confined yeah, you can just see him grow when the lieutenant says, You guys think you're going to get a pass. Oh, forget it. Kowalski. Oh, this So we have been working on our tent since last Wednesday. We have scrubbed every, every last square inch of it with toothbrushes. We have polished it down. Have you ever used Simon eyes on a canvas tent? Our tent pole, I'll tell you, we had a tent pole that was made out of aluminum. We polished that so much that it turned out to be pure teak. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, we were not going to get loused up this time. Everything. We had our shoes all out and polished. We had sprayed them with plastic so they'd shine. And you know, maybe you don't know this about the Army. The Army has a thing called the Foot Locker. And it's, it's like a big trunk, you know. And everybody's given this Foot Locker... And in the Army regulations, the U.S. Army regulations, they have a diagram of how everything should be put in the footlocker. Like, both your socks should be on the top tray on the lower left-hand side, one quarter of an inch apart. And the sock should be rolled into a ball no greater than one and three-quarter inches around and no less. Well, you know, when you've got your socks and they're made out of concrete... 
and they come back from the GI laundry, it's pretty hard. I've known guys spend three weeks just folding one sock. And you have to put your toothbrush at a certain angle. Your razor blades at another angle. Over here is your comb at another angle. Over here is your writing equipment at a certain angle. Well, of course, they would come and they'd inspect that. And here's Lieutenant Cherry, see. He takes out his... He's got this rule. It's a little... One of these folding rules. So he says, Shepard, open your footlocker. <laughs> That's it. There is my footlocker. All of us in Company K had long since stopped using our footlockers. We had all gone out and bought separate equipment which we glued into the footlocker. I'm not kidding. I'm not inventing it. It was totally non-functional equipment. There was my new toothbrush. It was all glued down. The lieutenant looks at it. Very good. Very good. Gasser, let's see yours. Very good. He looks at Gash's belt buckle. He looks at mine. Looks up. And here's Kowalski. He knew that Cherry never, never let him down. He and Cherry worked together like a well-oiled team. Like Himmler. <laughs> you know, like, like, like Himmler and that other guy that worked for him. They're both watching. And, and you can see Cherry is getting a little bugged. He can't find anything wrong. He looks at our shoes. He put, you know, the pants we pull up, the socks are absolutely without a, without a wrinkle. And he says, attention! We're standing there in the heat. This is the moment of decision. And he looks Gasser right in the eye. He says, Gasser! PFC, Gasser! Give me your army signal number. And Gasser, three, five, 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 And out he goes. And you can see Kowalski. And Kowalski gets into the tent, you know. He's right in the, in, the, in, the, in the door of the tent. He's leaving. And he just turns around. And Gasser looks at me with that great big look of relief. And, oh, God. I look at him. And just that instant, in comes Kowalski's hand. And it made a well-known ancient army... <laughs> I always remember that. You didn't see anything but the hand come in there, see? And, and Gasser looks at it and he makes a bite. Ah! <laughs> Out comes the hand, see? And you hear them going to the next tent. And, oh, by the way, speaking of, speaking of chicken, what radio station is this, friends? <laughs> and what magnificent fun city are we in? <laughs> Right, dear. What are you two quarreling about now? Oh, would you believe beer, Mother? It's about beer. Well, tell Mother. Well, I brought home some Valentine's. Well, what's wrong with that? 
Well, you know, months ago I heard they improved Valentine. Mother told you they made it a premium beer. Well, yes, Mother, but I bought some, and yes. Mother, I'm so unhappy. He loves it. He says Valentine's a really great beer. So why the tears? Well, now he's mad at me. He's mad because he says I should have bought Valentine long ago. He says it's all my fault, but he hasn't been drinking Valentine premium. He keeps saying, why did you wait? What were you waiting for? What were you waiting for? Oh, Mother... Have you tried Valentine since we improved it? Made it a premium beer? Valentine premium beer. What are you waiting for? Oh, wow, you don't want to have any nervous women around your house this weekend. You better lay in some Valentine beer quick. Valentine beer. Lay it in for this weekend. There's going to be nervous ladies for you. Oh, I will send it to him plain seal wrapper. Anyway, I gave him the answer. And then he hands Gasser his pass. And Gasser gives him the answer. And now we're out in the sun. We're free. We're free. We're free till tomorrow night. Oh, man, we don't have to get back into this rat race, back into this hole until 10 o'clock tomorrow night. Here we come. Here we come, Asbury Park. Oh, those poor fools. Have you ever been to Asbury Park? Oh, God, how sad. And so... Both of us had a pass, see, and the place where you went was Asbury Park. And in the Army, they called it Old Raspberry. There were other names for it. And we take that, that red and tan bus to this day. You know, I always, whenever I see one of those red and tan buses, I get a little sick, see. We take that red and tan bus, and both of us are sitting in a bus, you know. We're all excited. We're on our way, and there's a couple of chicks sitting there ahead of us. Oh, God, three months. And we and you know, it's funny. After three months, you begin to forget that the world is actually out there. And we're looking with great interest. You know, there are people wearing striped shirts. You know, there goes a guy passed in a blue car. And then look at they still got houses. My God, look at it. And there's a lady. I thought they'd done away with ladies years ago. You know, a lady with her pink dress, you know, with the flowers and the shopping bag are going by. And it was, it's the real world out there. And Casher and I are sitting in that thing. Oh, we're all thinking, you know. And he turns to me. And he says, Shep, what do you want to do the first thing when we get at Asbury Park? What would you like to do? So I'm thinking, see. And these two chicks are right ahead of us in the bus. So I figured I better not actually say it out loud. <laughs> so I opt for second choice. So I say, what do you say, Gasser? What do you say that we get a great meal? How about a great meal? Now, we've been living on jello, boiled beets. We've been living on mutton, powdered eggs. I mean, have you ever had a powdered egg? You know what a powdered egg is like at 4.15 in the morning? I'm telling you, friends, a powdered... A man who will eat a powdered egg at 4.15 in the morning will do anything. And, and we have been eating powdered eggs, you know, all morning. Every morning we get these damn powdered eggs. And so now the idea of a meal is just... It's like another world. I'd ease up there, hold him down for a minute. And so Gasser says to me, he says, Shepard, 
says, Shepherd, what kind of a meal do you want? And I said, well, gee, I got $12 in my pocket. And you know, that's the one great thing about being in the Army. When you go out for the weekend, you blow it all. <laughs> you don't worry about tomorrow, man. There ain't no tomorrow. And so I said, well, Gasser, how about a big steak? And he said, well, yeah. I'll tell you what I'd like to have. I'd like to have a big seafood dinner. I said, seafood? It never occurred to me. I said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, seafood. We'll get a lobster. A real big lobster with melted butter. And then we'll get, uh, how about before that, we'll have a big plate of cherry stone clams with, with some red hot Tabasco sauce. And then maybe some French fries on the side, huh? And then we'll have, uh, let me think. How about a big slice like that, see? A big slice of nestle road pie. And then we'll wash it down with... How about washing it down with Valentine's, huh? I said, gee, that's great. Oh, man, I can feel it. You know, my mouth is watering. And, you know, after months of SOS, after months of, of French toast, that's fried in kerosene. <laughs> you know, the idea of, of the seafood dinner, and now we're sitting there, we're riding in this bus, and we can hardly wait. And now we are at Asbury Park, and there is the boardwalk. And you know that boardwalk at Asbury? Well, here it is, you know. Oh, what a beautiful boardwalk, you know. And they don't have boardwalks in the Midwest. I've never really seen a boardwalk. And, you know, I never really knew what they were. And here, here were all these people, little old ladies walking around, and guys getting pushed in carts. And, and, you know, they had these rides, and they're selling taffy. And, oh, what a ball. So, and here are these two chicks ahead of us. And Gasser and I are, you know, we got our eye on them, see? And Gasser keeps saying, should we ask them to have dinner with us? And I says, well, we've only got $12. Let's see where they go to eat. And we'll follow them. And, uh, you know, maybe we can get a table near them. And by God, sure enough, they're walking down the old thing, you know. <laughs> Me and Gas are walking around. Yeah. Oh. It was all there. Women, seafood, the ocean, the sky, the sun, freedom. We had on our brand new suntans. What a moment. And right ahead of us, now maybe some of you know this place at Asbury Park. There is a seafood restaurant that sticks out over the ocean. It's out on pilings. And I've never eaten in a restaurant that was waterborne. And there it was, out on pilings, and they've got a great big red fish, a big neon fish on the top of it. And these two chicks walk and see. And we're right behind them. Gassy says, hey, what do you say we go to that place right there ahead of us? and have a big seafood dinner. He's dropping a hint, see? And I can see these two chicks listening. Gatch says, hey, they're taking it in. And sure enough, into the seafood joint they go. And me and Gas are following. And now we're sitting at a table. And it's just like an officer's mess. I mean, you know, in the officer's club, one thing, there were rumors all the time that in the officer's club, that they had tablecloths on the tables. Uh, you know, hardly any of us actually believed it. 
But there was a rumor, and they also had a rumor that they ate out of silver with forks and spoons. In the army, we ate out of a mess kit. Now, a mess kit is just a big sardine can. And they give you a spoon that that's big, and you shovel it up. You're a real animal, see? And now we're sitting down at a beautiful table. And we're two GIs. Remember that. We've got $12 in our pockets. And at the next table are these two beautiful girls. And all, all kinds of people all around. I mean, civilian types. And we're really on top of it. The sun is shining down. The waiter comes over. He says, well, what do you have, gentlemen? And Gasser says, I'd like to start out with a big... Give me a half... No, give me a dozen. I want to start out with a dozen cherry stone clams. Big. Bring them with the ice. Well, I am from the Midwest, friends. I had only heard of clams. I had never actually seen a clam in the, in the flesh. But Gasser had been telling me about clams, you know, and I somehow thought a clam was kind of like, well, like a baked Twinkie or something. I, I don't know what I thought. I thought maybe it was like a sardine or something. And so I said, I'll have a dozen cherry stone clams. And two minutes later, here they are in front of me. <laughs> You know, I've often thought that the first man who ate the first clam had a hell of a lot of guts. <laughs> you know, I never expected these. And Gasser, instantly, he's got that little tiny fork, you know. He takes a clam and he dips it into the sauce. Oh. And I said, gee, they're not cooked. Gasser says, of course they're not cooked. They're raw clams. He says, these are fresh. Watch. He says, take one like this and put it in the sauce. Put a little, just a little horseradish on it, a little Tabasco. I says, I says, are they alive? He says, you know it. They're alive. And you know, by God, that was the first time the first time that I noticed, if you listen real careful to a bowl of clams, you can hear them moaning. And I can hear them all going, oh! Well, you know, I'm a big GI, you know, I've been out on the rifle range and all that. So I take my first clam, I dip it into the sauce, and I do exactly what Gasser has shown me to do. I go, I'm a little worried, you know, and it's fighting on the end of the stick. I could see it. <laughs> Fantastic. You know, I suspect that the clam is a very primitive form of LSD. I'll tell you, my head swam. I couldn't. It was fantastic. And Gaston says, pretty good, aren't they? And I go... He says, put sauce on him, you idiot. I go, then I, I take one of the shells. You know, he says, no, 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 don't eat the shells. He said, bring more. And I says, can I have another dozen? The guy says, yes. He brings me another dozen clams, and down they go. And they put the beer in front of me, and I drink the beer. Then comes the lobster. 
Oh, boy. And I dip it into the butter, you know, the claws, the whole thing. And I have a great big pile of French fries. And incidentally, I'm right now in the middle, the prime part of my ketchup phase. You know, we all go through a period in our life when we put ketchup on everything. My old man put ketchup on everything he ever ate. He put ketchup on banana ice cream. I mean, he carried ketchup with him. In fact, he carried it in a shoulder holster. I mean, he just put ketchup on the Chicago Tribune before he'd read it, you know. And so I came from a real ketchup family. So here's this great big pile of French fries. I put the ketchup all over it, you know. Oh, French fries. I'm eating the lobster and I'm down in all this sauce and everything. And I finish it all and the waiter comes over and Gasser and I are both sitting at our table, you know. And you know that great feeling. That feeling of satiety. You know, you're, you're, that feeling of completeness. And Gasser sits across from me and he goes, Bleh. I like a man who enjoys his food. In fact, I had an uncle who could sing on the mall in burps. And so I go, Oop. We're both sitting there, see? Gasser says, How about the Nestle Road Pie? And with that, the waiter comes up, and he's got this menu, and he says, Gentlemen, since you two are in the Army, the, the organization here, the boss, has a little rule here that anything you'd like on the house, we'd be glad to serve to you, anything for the boys. Gasser looks at me. I look at Gasser. Gasser says, Anything? Yep, Anything. Gasser says, what do you say, chef? I say, I'm game. He turns to the waiter and says, do it all again. <laughs> the waiter says, all right, all again. <laughs> Five minutes later, I got a plate of clams. Uh, <laughs> it's going down. And, and about three quarters of the way through the second lobster, the great flywheel that was inside of me began to slow down. And now I am starting to chew it. Up to this point, I just go, ooh. I'm inhaling it. Now I'm, hey, it tastes pretty good. You know, the second meal you actually taste. And the French fries, another bottle of Heinz ketchup. You know, and another four pounds of butter with the rolls, the whole bit, and the pickles. And then... Two great, big, magnificent slices of Nestle Rolled Pie. Have you ever had Nestle Rolled Pie? Boy, if that isn't an evil dish. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's about 190 octane. There's 17 million calories in it. And so down goes the Nestle Rolled Pie. Oh, boy. Followed by three more beers. And then the waiter comes over and says, Would you two gentlemen care for a little brandy? Brandy? Well, at that point, I was just weaning my way out of Ovaltine. I mean, to me, brandy was something I'd heard about in reading novels by Sax Romer. That was something that C. Nalen Smith always had with soda. You know, I knew what soda was, but brandy I thought was something, you know. And he brings these two little things of brandy, you know, two high little glasses. And, Ooh! <laughs> Down it goes. 
And these two chicks are sitting there all through the meal. And they keep looking at it, see. And all four of us get up and walk out of the place simultaneously. You know, I feel this meal hanging down in front of me. Oh, boy. <laughs> what a great feeling. And the sun is shining. You know, it's beautiful out there. I look down. And up ahead of us are these two girls. We walk along the boardwalk, and Gasser says to me, what do we do now? And off to our right was a miniature golf course. Now, that's what we should have done. I mean, there were a lot of little old ladies hitting little balls, you know, through these windmills. <laughs> right next to the golf course, let me tell you what this thing was so that you'll be warned. It's a thing that's on, on the top of a high tower. And on the top of this tower, there is a big girder. Now listen to this. It's a big girder, and it hangs on a fulcrum like a big teeter-totter. And on the end of each fulcrum is a great big wire cage. And it goes around. Around and around and around. And, then, and it starts the other way. Then it goes this way. Then it goes this way. And then it goes like that. And we're watching this, see? And the two girls are buying tickets. Jasper says, let's go on the ride. Let's go on the ride. And so the man standing at the gate there says, come on, fellas, let's go. There's just room for two more. And the next thing I know, I am sitting with Jasper in a little cage. He's sitting here. I'm sitting here. And right opposite us are these two Beautiful girls from Neptune, New Jersey. Oh, yeah, I've always got a soft spot in my pancreas for Neptune, New Jersey. Ever since that day, we're both sitting in this little cage. You know, they clamped the whole thing shut. We got our nice new suntans on. We're both sitting. Now we've got these chicks in the cage, see? They can't get out. They're sitting opposite us. I'm sitting opposite this beautiful blonde. Gasser's got this lovely redhead. We're sitting there holding on to this bar. And I say to the first one, the girl in opposite me, I said, where are you from? Neptune, New Jersey. I said, oh, what a beautiful name. Neptune sounds like a beautiful town. And she says, where are you from? I'm from Chicago. She says, oh, a gangster. I said, yeah, baby. You know, all chicks got a soft thing for gangsters, see? I says, you know it, baby. I carry my heater with me. We're both sitting there, and Gas is making time with this chick. And outside, this guy's locking everything up. He's walking around. He says, all right, all right, here we go. And we start to go up. And this girl is looking me right in the eye, see? fun. <laughs> it was fun for the first 30 seconds. It really was. We started to go up, and then they tilted us straight down, and instantly all my money fell out. I could hear all my chains just going past my face, see? I let go of my hand. I try to get it, and I see it all going down. I reach down, and my fountain pen goes out. And this girl is saying, oh, isn't this fun? Up we go. Up we go around the right. And I feel gas or all of a sudden... Gas was starting to swell up next to me. <laughs> I look over at Gasser, and I want to tell you this, friends. It's catching. 
I looked at cancer, and I have never in my life, even to this day, even in this day of psychedelic colors, I have never seen a green just like cancer. It was kind of fluorescent. Have you ever seen a dead fish? About the third day, you know, I look over at Gasser, he's got scales and he's green. And this girl is looking him right in the eyes, and she's looking real scared because she's right in the line of fire. We go up like this, and Gasser's money is falling up, and all of a sudden I can just feel it coming up on me. And Gasser says, What are we going to do? I said, I don't know what, I don't know what you're going to do, Gasser. But... I felt these two thin screens go. Out of the air, see, and these two girls are sitting there opposite us. We're high up in the air now, and I can see nothing but Jersey all down around it. That's enough to make anybody sick. And I, I, the ocean is going up and down out there, you know. And I, oh, I just, I, it's got to come out. And this girl, I said, duck! <laughs> there are moments when you have to think of your fellow creatures, and she ducked. And I went, whoa! <laughs> right over the top of her hair, you know. And down we went again, and I, whoo! Oh, I'll tell you, lobsters, clams. And you should have heard those clams cheer when they came up. <laughs> oh, beer, root beer, fried taffy apples, the whole bit, up and down. And this went on for 40 minutes. It's going on. We keep flying around. This guy's down there. And every time we'd go past, Gasser would holler, Smoke Have a good time, boys. Chorus. He's running the thing. Well, we made about 428 loops, see? And now I am brained absolutely dry. I'm so sick, I can't see anything. And all of a sudden, the girl opposite me says, Duck! Gasser's hanging down there and it's flying up and down. And finally we arrived down at the bottom after, it must have been seven hours in hell. We are awash. It's up around my knickers, you know. We get down to the bottom and the guy's running the thing and he takes one look at us. See, here's Gasser sitting there. He's got a hold of the thing. And I'm sitting over here and I've got a hold of the thing and the two girls are slumped over. One is slumped over. She's got her head on my shoulder. And the other one's got her head on Gasser's shoulder. She's been, you know, she's wrung out. We're both hanging in there. Gasser says, hold on. It's, we're going to get out in just a second. Hold on, Chef. I'm going to die. <laughs> and you know what that guy did? The guy with a straw hat? He comes along and he says, he says, I see you guys are making time. <laughs> he says, here, have this ride on me. Oh! Up we go. Round and round. And somewhere out there in the darkness, right now, this very minute, there are 45 million GIs who are out, and they're out on the town for the first time tonight. And they're going to learn something tonight. Let's give them a hand. Come on. Weekday mornings and evenings on WOR, there are helicopter traffic reports from Fred Feldman. New Testament Light with the Reverend Spiros Zoriatis, heard at 9 o'clock every Sunday night here on WOR Radio, is a program of melody and meditation. 
The Reverend's purpose is to make the New Testament live. Apply its teachings to today's world. Hear New Testament Light this Sunday night at 9 o'clock over WOR 710. There is hope and help for the disease alcoholism. For information, call 777-5752.